All right, and we're live. Um, welcome, Eugene. Welcome, Darren Versami. Darren is a TEDx speaker and a co-founder and chief operating officer of 34 Strong. And 34 Strong team believes that everyone deserves a great place to work and that any workplace can be great. Welcome, Darren. Thank you so much, Tatiana and Eugene. Very, very much looking forward to being here. All right, Darren. So tell us a little bit about what your company does. I mean, I know, but obviously our listeners don't and what you focus on and how, and let, let's take it from there. Yeah. So in, in a nutshell, we help create great places to work. We take on a strengths-based approach to human development uh, that really helps to drive culture and create cultures of employee engagement where people are feeling valued for being valuable. So um, again, for, for people that are familiar with, with strengths, it's, it's really what happens when we focus on what's right with people instead of fixating on what's wrong with them. And it goes far beyond, you know, just a team building session and, you know, rah, rah and any of that sort of stuff. It's, it's taking that ownership as a leader as to what it's going to take to transform our culture into one, again, where people are engaged and, uh, and be able to sustain that for the long term. What's it take to, to do that? So, we work with organizations, big and small, to help set that up and to help make that a reality. That's uh, that's really great. I mean, I've heard about your organization. I have the book um, that your partner has um, launched last year. Right. Um, and I read it. It's a great book. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So my business partner, Brandon Miller, uh, there's the two of us that founded the company. Um, we both had this vision of that world, of what the world could look like when, it, you know, when people got to go to work, engaged in their work. I, I had personally been through the journey of working through and, and being in roles where there was high levels of dysfunctionality in the organization high levels of disengagement. I, I, in fact, was highly disengaged. And I also had the privilege of working on teams where I was highly engaged and really felt excited and energized to go to, to work every day. So when Brandon and I connected uh, many moons ago, back in 2013, to connect and start this company, both of us had a vision beyond the workplace transformation. It was actually the transformation that happens at home in the communities, right? So when people can go to work and they can be valued for being valuable, when they can be engaged, when they can say, I, I have a great place to work, I'm challenged, but I can grow. How do they show up better at home? How does that impact how they're gonna show up as a spouse, as a parent, as, as a friend within the community? So Brandon and his wife, Annalyn, wrote this book last year that was actually focused on playing to our children's strengths. Um, right now, as you know, we're in the midst of a little bit of this COVID-19 crisis, at least when we're recording this, but there's a lot of folks that are going through the process of trying to figure out, how do I homeschool my kids? I'm, we're going through that in this household, that's for sure. And there, there's just different elements that help us to identify how do we see our kids through the lens of what their strengths are things that they do best, and how can we build in the areas that they're naturally talented and strong? Because our natural tendency as humanity is, we think our greatest opportunity for growth lies in finding our areas of weakness, and it actually lies in finding our areas of strength. And, and their book really helps get into that place, and that's helping advance You know, a big part of what 34 Strong is actually about, 
we do that through the workplace piece. So the work that him and his wife have done, um, independent of 34 Strong, are just taking what we're doing in the workplace one step further on the home front. Interesting. Um, now, the book is called Play to Their Strengths, right? That's correct. Yep. Play yep. I read the book last year. <laughs> yep. Uh, it was very, very interesting. So you said that you guys work with companies of um, kind of in every size. Now, can you kind of talk a little bit about what differences do you see in your approach when you work with a small business with a kind of an entrepreneurial um, type engagement versus a corporate um, engagement? Yeah, absolutely. So our longer term programs that we get into that that could be a multi year type engagement in our large organizations. We also work with the government. We work with um, we work with larger scale, you know, corporate clients. But when we're really talking to those that are entrepreneurs, or maybe you're a entrepreneur, right? Like you're thinking of taking that jump into what it could be if I go out on my own, like the journey that I know I went on, you know, and, and kind of going through that. The process that we get into, and if we're, we're getting into that place of where you're starting, or maybe you're maybe you're bifurcating, maybe you're working in a full time role, and you're looking at making that transition. Well, here's the thing, you, you know, we've we've got these ideas of what we want our business to be, or maybe we have it launched already. But the whole piece is we can provide the best of who we are when we're playing to our strengths. That is our area. That's our greatest opportunity for excellence. And human development. So when we think about this from a you know from an entrepreneur standpoint, even if you're a solopreneur or if you're just contemplating getting out of the gate, getting things going, start with strength. What are the things that you do best? What are the things that energize you? If you're a person that hey, you know what, I got to get my business going, but I know that in my space of business, I'm not as strong on the finance side. I'm not as good on the balance sheet stuff. In fact, looking at that stuff kind of makes my stomach turn. Well, maybe maybe I want to reach out to Tatiana. Maybe I want to connect with her um, because she's in my network and, and maybe there's ways that we can play to each other's strengths because there's this great African proverb and it's really important in large organizations and it's even more important in small organizations. And it's simply this. If you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go with others. So to be able to really have your strengths blossom in whatever direction it is that your business is looking to go, your idea is where it is, you got to first pause, take inventory of what do you love and what are some of the things that you loathe. If you go through the, we use the Clifton Strengths Assessment. It's a Gallup assessment that's out there to help identify people's natural talents, their natural patterns of thought, feeling, and behavior that can be productively applied. That's a great place to start. You can get that and kind of dig into that. And, and it really gives you some, some powerful insights into exactly who you are and some pretty powerful insights into maybe who you aren't. And when that range true, you can create complementary partnerships so you can go far. That's a pretty great insight, don't you think, Eugene? Yeah. And sort of bouncing on that, I've like I've always wanted to start some sort of company of my own, but whenever I think about my strengths, they're more organizational, they're more procedural, and they're not really focused on building out a product or having novel ideas. So I'm always feeling sort of inferior in that I'm not really passionate about a single product or a, some sort of idea, but I am really interested in working with people that have these strong ideas and kind of implementing them. 
and that's kind of held me back from thinking that I can start my own business because I don't have that product direction or vision of the company that I would want to start. So maybe what would you, how would you respond to these like fears that I have? I, I, I think there are such a relevant point, Eugene, and, and, and it's okay. Number one, acknowledge that. It's important for us to acknowledge that. Number two, let's realize that behind every great big idea, there's somebody that can step in, get the processes set up, that can make that piece of the puzzle a reality. So if that's, this this really ties into our levels of talent. There's some people that are incredible at generating ideas. There's some people that are incredible at executing. Others are great at building influence and building relationships. So let's own who we are. Part of playing to our strengths uh, is owning exactly who we are and more importantly, owning who we're not. Because when we're willing to own who we're not, we can find out how we can be more of who we already are and be able to play to that and really support something that thrives. The greatest leaders that we can all think of, I encourage each of you to think of, each of you and all, all of the listeners, think of the greatest leaders that you've ever had in your life. Maybe somebody that led you directly. Maybe it was a coach even. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was somebody that you really looked up to that's a public figure. And I want to ask you a simple question. Did they all lead exactly the same way? Did they do things the exact same way? Do they have like a blueprint, like a, well, to be a great leader, to be a successful entrepreneur? You have to check all of these boxes. No. No, the one thing that they all have in common is they're self-aware. They know who they are and who they're not. And when you know who you are and who you're not, it helps define the role that you can best play, shine in on a team. And it opens up clearly, who do you need to compliment? Because if we go pair up with people that are exactly the same as us, you don't find those gaps. The great ideator is not always the person that's going to bring that idea to reality. You know, we think of the Jobs-Wozniak combination, right? Jobs had many of the ideas, would go through Wozniak, would, would go through and do some of the execution, but that's why that worked. It wasn't because we were the same, it was because it was different. And the other question I want to make sure that I answer within and address in what Eugene just mentioned was, how do I escape that fear? Well, First, again, we've got to own it. Number two, um, realize that we're self-imposing that limit. We're self-imposing that limit. Here's the bigger thing to fear. This was something that helped kick my butt into gear and get me off the train of exactly everything that you've mentioned there, Eugene, leaving the corporate gig that I had that was kind of there. I played it forward. And by that, I mean, I fast-forwarded my life 10 15, 20 years. And I asked myself this simple question. What will I regret more in 20 years? Staying in the job where I know I'm disengaged, I don't love it, I'm collecting a paycheck, I've gotten good at it, or looking back and saying, I could have, I should have, I didn't 20 years ago. And I never had the opportunity to look at that. So you're going to face regret either way, right? Either way, um, you might regret jumping into entrepreneurship. We might might face some, or I'm sorry, not re- regret. You have, you you you'll, you'll face fear either way, but you can face the fear of regret later in life or the fear of change now. And if you change things now, it could potentially guide your path to where you want to be in the future. So we're not looking back at regret. 
that shift was powerful for me and many other entrepreneurs that went from entrepreneur land like I was in to entrepreneur land. Eugene, what do you think? No, that, <laughs> I mean, that that's like interesting. And I've always had this sort of drive to go to things that I'm not comfortable with. A good example is like in high school, I was pretty bad at math. And for whatever reason, I was drawn into the engineering sort of realm for for no reason other than I didn't really feel comfortable with it. So I can relate to kind of taking the risk. I would have regretted not trying the math and science route and kind of sticking to what I knew. And I don't know where the balance between doing what you're good at, doing what you already are involved in, and kind of taking the leap and going into the unknown, possibly to to a place that you're not as comfortable, not as good. And I like that's where I'm stuck now. I've gotten used to the engineering thing that I thought that I was bad at, and turns out I'm okay at it. And now I see other things that I'm afraid of that I think that I'm not good at. And I don't, I don't know how to balance doing the thing that I that I know that I'm good at and be successful at that. I guess my, I guess my wants are to go to things that I'm not good at, and that seems a little contradictory to me. That's pretty standard, actually. And, and here's why: because we've been conditioned from young to believe and learn that, hey, I'm already good at these things. These things come naturally to me. I'm going to go focus on developing my areas of weakness. That's, that's, we learn that in school. We learn that, you know, sometimes on the home side with our parents, with going through, this is part of our human nature. So what you're feeling, Eugene, is exactly what we feel and, and, and what many people feel. I'm going to use the accounting analogy I used earlier. If your brilliance is in setting up process for, let's say, you know, a software idea, somebody comes up with a great idea of software, right? And we've got only so much time that we can focus on that. The real question is, is your time better spent learning QuickBooks and becoming an expert on balance sheets and putting an inordinate amount of time into something like that? Or is it better off spent in the area that you can have the greatest amount of impact? It is, you know, so sure, go ahead. We can play to our weaknesses. And there is a certain level of knowledge of wisdom that we have to have in certain certain different areas and, and, and things that make us uncomfortable. They can actually be a great, great breakthrough point sometimes. Like, like you mentioned, the math and the science side, there was something in there that made you uncomfortable, but there was something in there that you loved, that you found out about when you get to the other side. So there are those little pieces, but we do want to look at it through the lens of abundance and scarcity at the same time. Time is scarce. We only have so many hours in a given day. What is the time? Where is your time best put? Because when we focus on doing everything, we focus on doing nothing. So if you get to pick and play to your strengths, you can maximize and make a lot more impact in the same amount of time. Maybe in 10 hours of process set up for you and executing on that, you can create massive impact, massive momentum on that. In the same 10 hours, you might have barely gotten into 
having a baseline understanding of some things with balance sheets. And now you kind of understand them, but you're still kind of confused. And just thinking about it makes you want to go puke, right? So like, how, how does that lead to fulfilling and making your vision and your impact a reality? That's the whole point of that. And it gets us asking the questions of how do we complement this? Or even maybe there's partnerships we can create through some trades. Maybe there's things that are in our zone of genius that others see and that we can provide value for when people are getting started, they are doing a lot of trading. I know we did a lot of that years ago, you know, when 34 Strong was just coming out of the gate um, many, many moons ago. Um, Darren, what do you think about this? Just this conversation kind of made me um, realize something like, what do you think about the fact that some people don't think that they're strong in, in a certain industry or certain area or certain thing, but actually by kind of not honestly playing to their weaknesses, but kind of exploring their weaknesses or, or their fear points or whatever, actually discover that they're not weak in that area, that they're actually strong. I'll give you an example of where I'm coming from a little bit. So I never thought, like I personally was a salesperson. I never thought that selling or marketing is my thing. I was always afraid of it. I was always kind of hateful of it. But the more I'm learning, the more I'm discovering that, you know what, I have so much creativity in me um, that it comes, it actually comes natural to me. Yeah. Would, would you, yeah. Would you advise something like, would you suggest something for people who like, don't like Eugene, I feel like sometimes doesn't always know sometimes and always, um, doesn't know what his strengths are. So like by exploring math and science, he actually discovered that he wasn't weak in that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. We've got to explore. We do have to explore, especially when we're earlier in the process. That being said, as we're going through the exploration process, we can learn to uh, become actually pretty good at things that we don't love, that we're not energized by, that actually blow the wind out of our sail. So, you know, using that example, you found gold in the fact, yeah, I'm actually good at this. And there's a big caveat there. And you enjoy it. My example is in my previous role before starting 34 Strong, I was, I was a senior project manager at a commercial construction company. I'd worked my way up, climbed the ladder into more of an executive leadership type role in, in this organization. I sat on the executive team with, with some of the stuff that we did. Here's the thing. I had gotten really good at something I didn't love. My talents, my strengths conditioned me to do that, but I did not love it at all. I actually was highly disengaged in the job, but yet was still performing at a really high level. Some of our talents will force us to do that. So it's important to not just get stuck in the place of, I've done this, I've gotten to the place where I'm good at it. Take a measurement of exhaustion and energy. If you're jumping into something for the first time and it's a little bit of a grind, but you're like, I'm curious still, like Eugene's been, when you break through and you get to that side where, okay, I've got some fluidity with this. This is this isn't my zone of, of greatness. Uh, I'm developing here and I'm actually enjoying it. That can, that can be part of the process. Now, the journey to get to where you enjoy it, there, there might be a little bit of grind that's involved in that to get you to your greatness. But if you're taking inventory as you're going through and you're not finding that and you're finding that you're detesting it more and more and more and more as it's going along, that could be a great place to stop and call time out on yourself. 
because we can, entrepreneurs in particular, we can get caught on trying to do everything. So as a result, we do nothing really, really well. We're aiming, you know, at a hundred different things. And Mike Michalowicz, one of the great things that he said in, um, in one of his books was something along the line of 90 or 95% of entrepreneurs don't end up failing as a result of a lack of ideas. They end up drowning in them. They have too much that's going on. So it's not only the ideas piece, it's all of the needs of the business. So we're doing so many of the things just for the sake of doing that we never actually hit the core of what will move the needle for us and create the impact that we want. And that's part of why that energy versus exhaustion piece is important for us to take inventory of. Um, Interesting. So what you're saying is it's not just the strengths that we're kind of um, focusing on, but also the strength plus the enjoyment of the process. Is that right? The strengths, if you're actually in your strength zone, you'll know it because you feel enjoyment. You feel energized. In fact, a lot of times when we're in our strength zone, we don't know it. And here's why. It comes so easy to us. When you look around, these are the things a lot of times entrepreneurs, people that are getting ready to start their business, these are the things that they look in the mirror and they say, well, anybody could do that. It's, it's easy. It's easy for me. It's no big deal. So what they do, they go out there into the world and they provide their service for free or they say it's, it's no big deal. And then they undervalue the service because it comes so natural to them. That is your zone of genius. And that's the thing that we should be pr- placing a high value on. Uh, and, and, and being able to go to market with. So the things, the counterintuitive part is if you catch yourself, if you take inventory of all the things that you are willingly going to say, anybody could do that. I could do that in my sleep. Or you catch yourself frustrated on when people can't do what you do. Perhaps really quickly you sit in meetings with people and you're able to see exactly where things are going or you naturally operate off of a checklist and you get a lot of things to do. And your natural go-to is to tell others, well, all you have to do is make a checklist of that. And you go through and you cross all these things off. And that's how you manage your day. Well, guess what? Everybody's not a to-do list kind of person. There's some people that are more ideation focused. Some people are more doers. So when we, when we look at the things that we undervalue in ourselves and that frustrate us in others, it's actually a chance to pause and say, what is it that I bring in these places that are actually contributions? That's where the impact can lie. That's very cool. I actually just realized uh, one thing that uh, that is my strengths that I didn't place as much of an emphasis before. But so, thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I really uh, would you would for that reason? <laughs> would you say that um, there is a specific mindset that, like, someone who, let's say, that a person is made to be a business owner or a person is made to be working for someone, would you say that there's a specific mindset for that, um, that a person has to have or develop in order to to kind of take the leap into entrepreneurship? The first step that I would say is ask that regret question. What will I regret more? Um, Will I regret in, in 15 years having had the opportunity to take a swing and looking back? And not having made that shift, um, and, and, and again, looking at that regret as a lens of fear. Fear can be a great motivator for us. So you play out two lenses of fear. What do you fear more? Looking back and saying, I wish I would have taken that leap, or looking ahead and the fear of change. You, you start with fear in both of those places. One's permanent, one you have control over right now. 
So that's step one. And, and, and the other piece, one area of entrepreneurship that I can say that has been a gift has been resiliency. Um, resiliency, and it's not the fact that you just take everything and you bounce back, but we actually, I feel like if you, you struggle with resiliency right now, what are the things you can do to condition your resiliency? What are the things that you could do where you can take losses, you know, things that don't go your way in life right now and bounce back from them in any areas? So it's like a muscle that we need to condition. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, great leaders being resilient, their ability to bounce back. But we actually don't spend a lot of time talking about how do you condition those things? Because entrepreneurship is nothing but feeling like you've taken the mountain and then an hour later feeling like you've fallen off the mountain. I've, I, especially in the front end of starting up a business now as a, as a larger business now, I mean, we're not huge, but as a, as a company that's, that's grown in size and in scale and impact and whatnot, it's, it's, I still go through this. Now, the magnitude of what we, what we can go through in the shifts and within this current environment that we're navigating, it can be just feel groundbreaking at times. So conditioning our mind our body, our spirit to be resilient is huge. What are the things that you're going to step into that you can test yourself failing at? And I, I don't say that lightly. Test yourself failing at. Test yourself getting your butt kicked in something, not not having it go go your way, and then and then bring it back up. So that's that's the direction that I uh, that's kind of the direction that I would I would think goes forward. For me personally, at the time I started 34 Strong, I also started back in training in martial arts. And I say that was one of the greatest gifts that I had because I used to just get my, I still mix it up with that. And getting knocked on your butt and having to get back up is the greatest conditioning I can have. Kids also do a great job in conditioning resiliency because they they push your buttons. And I've, I've got two little ones <laughs> that, that do that and uh, just really help with that process. So, okay, that's that's fantastic insight, and, and thank you so much for sharing that. What I want to ask you, kind of as a as a wrap up question, what would you suggest if someone is kind of on the fence um, in terms, of, like Eugene, like Eugene's sort of on the fence. He's kind of exploring. Someone, I know you've said start with the strengths, start with the regret question. Um, any other type of um, advice you can give a that person to maybe develop a certain thought process or maybe open up your own limitations kind of as a, you know, as a, as a, as the next step or the first, or the second step after you've kind of asked the regret, regret question, what's the direction that you would advise folks who are on the fence to, to, to explore or to look into? So I'm reminded of, the book Think and Grow Rich, and I'm reminded of a quote that my my, my friend Joseph McClendon shares often. Joseph is a uh, he co-facilitates all of Tony Robbins' events, and he often says, "We are what we focus on." There's this powerful story shared that I I went to one of Tony's events. And Joseph closed down with this story, and I think it really drives the point home. He was in the field and he was studying um, this this stretch of highway in Southern California. And the stretch of highway was a two-lane highway, and there was a series of telephone poles that were on one side of the highway. And it was completely flat. 
So what would happen is there, there'd be these accidents that would take place along the, along the way. And what ended up taking place was about 60, 70%, I don't remember the exact number, but it was well above 50%, would end with one of the vehicles hitting a telephone pole. And this didn't make any sense to him because you have the telephone poles on one side of the road, and then you have 100, 150 meters of space in between, and there's an open field there. And he was saying, why did not more cars end up in these flat open areas? There was no rolling ditch and people didn't have to, it was just flat, just flat dirt going that way. Literally could have driven, swerved and driven into a field uh, going through and been okay. So obviously everybody didn't survive these, but as they transpired, what ended up happening, he started interviewing people. And what, what he ended up finding was this question that he would ask, what do you remember from the experience? Everybody would say, the last thing that I remember coming at me was that telephone pole. And that became his nugget. That was the, that was the brilliance. They were so focused on not hitting the telephone pole, that's exactly what they hit. Our mind is set to where if we are focused on not doing something, that's exactly the direction that we're going to do. We miss the fields. So for us, if we start getting into the mindset of focusing on what would it look like if I became an entrepreneurship, your mind will guide you to those answers. It might not be clear today. It might not be clear tomorrow, but it'll start to merge because you've made that cognitive shift in your mind. When you start making the statement, I am an entrepreneur, might not completely know what it looks like today, but speak of yourself as if you are that, then you start to become it. If you, if not, you'll live in the state of focusing on exactly what you're not. And that's where we stay stuck hitting those telephone poles. And again, I got to give a shout out to Joseph on that one. That's one of my favorite stories that I've shared lots of times in keynotes and in different trainings I've facilitated. It's fantastic. I love it. Eugene, what do you think? Yeah, I, that, that's really interesting. And I definitely learned a lot about sort of thinking about my behaviors different. And I definitely fell into that trap of kind of staying focused on the negative and not focusing on what you want and sort of figuring it out on the way and not crashing into the telephone pole. That's <laughs> <laughs> That's a really great insight, Darren. Thank you so much for um, for agreeing to to be a guest in our podcast. And you actually brought us something that about partners that I would like to um, to invite you a little bit later when we do talk about partnerships uh, to maybe appear again as a guest, if you don't mind. Absolutely. You let me know what you need. I would be honored to do that. And I've got a lot to share in the way of uh, partners because my business partner and I have been through all sorts of, of, of elements and we've worked incredibly well together because we've spent a lot of time in understanding where we're coming from and play to really work to play through that um, and, and appreciate spending the time on, on digging into that. So um, absolutely, you let me know what you need. I'm here to serve. All right, Darren, thank you so much. And um, uh, thank you for um, for making the time to meet with us. And Eugene, any final notes? No, Thanks a lot. Uh, this was great. Thank you so yep. much. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks. So, so we'll see you on the next, I'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye.